At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. The official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's an off day for the Hornets, but never an off day here on the Hornets Hivecast. We've got a special one-on-one interview with Jeff Zilgit, staff writer for USA Today covering the NBA. And If you've read USA Today, you have definitely seen his work covering the Eastern Conference and the NBA as a whole. We're going to talk to him about the trade deadline deal that brought Montrez Harrell over from the Washington Wizards to your Charlotte Hornets. Also about the Hornets' playoff potential this year after that deal has gone into the books and the long-term future of the franchise with reigning Rookie of the Year and newly named All-Star LaMelo Ball leading the way. Without further ado, we welcome Jeff Zilgit of USA Today here to the Hornets Hivecast. Yeah, perfect. I'm glad to be here. Let's start off with some of the present right now. The trade deadline has just gone down. You wrote a big piece in USA Today about winners and losers and teams and players that you kind of have to wait for judgment. You mentioned the Hornets bringing in Montrez Harrell. You didn't put him in any of the columns, though, so I want to know, are the Hornets a winner for getting Montrez Harrell in exchange for Ishmith Vernon Carey in a future second? Are they losers, in your opinion, or is this TBD? No, I, I think they are winners. If we're going to just break it down, I didn't include them because I, you know I was thinking of a little bit more definitive. But I think Montrez fits Charlotte in a variety of ways. But I love this deal when I saw it. I sort of figured there was a couple guys on the Wizards, given the trajectory of their season, and given that there's a couple guys, Montrez with an expiring deal, 
Contavious Caldwell Pope has another year beyond the season left on his deal, but it wasn't all that cost prohibitive if a team wanted to get him. I know Davis Bertans also had a deal that they were trying to get rid of. So I expected the Wizards to be active at the trade deadline. I didn't necessarily know where Charlotte fit into it, but ultimately I think fit into what Charlotte needs and wants. Well, let's start off there. The Hornets are a team that pretty much the last two years since LaMelo arrived on the scene and really showed everyone what kind of player he was going to be, people have looked at this squad and said center is the spot where they could at the very least use some backup and possibly use some bolstering of the front line as well. But that tends to be the position people focus on. Mitch Kupchik goes out and makes the move. I'm surprised I've heard even a split. Some people say this is a home run, a slam dunk, whatever metaphor you want to choose. Others have said they're not sure that it might be too temporary, and I understand that since Montrez is an expiring contract at the end of the year, but at the same time, this seems to be the perfect man to fit the perfect role for this team in terms of the short-term goal being make the playoffs, and with the long-term goal being don't disrupt any of the pieces that you hope to extend or possibly extend in the future. Well, I don't want to get in exactly to where teams are in the standings because we know the East is so bunched. Definitely one through six, but also, you know what, three through eight, four through eight. There's a lot of teams bunched up in there. And, and so I'm in favor these days of a team going for it when they can. You know, and if that means improving their playoff spot, making a bigger push to win a conference championship or an NBA finals, I'm all for that. And, and so I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about Montrez's expiring deal right now. And you can potentially, in the long term, convince him, hey, this is a place to play. And Sam, before I get into a little bit more, you know, I told James Boyle this when the Hornets were in D.C. the first time. The Hornets are one of my favorite teams to watch when it comes to league pass ratings. When you talk about LaMelle, you talk about uh, Miles Bridges. And what you're going to get in Montrez, this is what I like about him, even before he was traded, and right around the midway point of the season, everyone got to 40, 41 games. Montrez was among my top three as sixth man of the year. He brings a lot of energy off the bench. And I, I was telling someone in your organization just the other day that Montrez became a fan favorite in D.C. quickly. Sometimes after a great and one or, or he gets fouled going up, Montrez sort of gently walks into the first few rows of the crowd to get people fired up and everything. So all the fans are going to love him. That's number one. Just the energy he plays with, the style he plays with. You're getting 100% from Montrez Harold. That's number one. Number two, he's going to hit the glass for you offensively, defensively. I don't know if he's a double-double guy every night, but he's a potential double-double guy every night. And then the way you guys throw lobs there in Charlotte, Montrez is going to eat that up no matter who the lob is coming from. But I can certainly see some of them coming from Lamelo. No doubt about that, who throws the great lob to begin with. And you get teams caught in the lane figuring out, are we going to guard Lamelo? Are we going to guard Trez rolling to the bucket? And it's a pick-your-poison situation, definitely, but you'll see lobs to Montrez without a doubt as he works his way into rotation of your offense. Whether it's uh, the reigning rookie of the year and the now all-star LaMelo Ball or his former college teammate Terry Rozier, I mean, the first game in, both of them had points, assists, double-doubles. Rozier ended up with a triple-double in that one against Detroit. But Montrez Harrell, an instant impact on this Hornets roster. In terms of their overall goals for this season, the marching orders were they want to be in the playoffs, not just the play-in. They want to be in that 18 bracket, whether it's via the play-in or not, didn't matter quite as much. Do you think 
as this roster sits now, you've bolstered your front court even more so that the Hornets are a team that will end up in the top eight. I think they are. I've sort of held that belief through their ups and downs this season. I think Montrose really bolsters that in helping them get there. But like I said just a couple minutes ago, I I do acknowledge that the East is pretty bunched, definitely one through six. And then if you want to even, I said three through eight, but if you want to stretch it three through ten, I mean, the East is just such an improved conference over the past couple years. Look at what Chicago has done over the past what season. At the trade deadline in 2021, being active to get Nick Vucevic, being active in the free agent market with Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, trading for Lamelo's brother and getting Lonzo Ball. I know there's some injuries there. But those are teams, you know, that decided to go for it. Even though Brooklyn has fallen, they're still going to be in the hunt, given, you know, they're going to get Ben Simmons in the lineup soon enough. Kevin Durant's going to return after the All-Star break. Philadelphia is what they are now with James Harden. Milwaukee, you know, I mentioned four other teams before we get to the defending champs, and Giannis is having another MVP season. So I think the East is just so darn competitive right now. And it is going to be difficult. But again, if healthy, Charlotte has the roster both in the starting five and now adding some depth that that's a team that should be in one of those, if we want to talk playing game spots or even top eight, you know, look, seven to 10, it's all sort of the same to me. You know, you got to win some games to get in at that point and everything. But, you know, Charlotte should be in that mix. Now, I agree with you, but an exercise we like to do here because, you know, sometimes you'll see people say, oh, this is a top 10 team. That's a, you know, an all-star pick and certainly some metrics support that. But inevitably, you got to knock somebody out. So I'm going to give you the teams that right now are roughly will put, even though it's kind of risky to do it because you're right, everyone is punched up. The, the difference between Cleveland and Brooklyn is about two weeks worth of good basketball or bad basketball flipping the standings. But just for the sake of argument right now, let's say that Miami, Cleveland, Chicago, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, they're in. And that it's a question of Toronto, Boston, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Atlanta, and I'll throw Washington and New York in there as well. These are the teams that are going to be in and around the play-in mix, depending on how things go injury-wise and otherwise for the final quarter to third of the season. So I need three teams from there that are in that are going to end up in the top eight out of Toronto, Boston, Brooklyn, Charlotte, Atlanta, Washington, and New York. Who are the three that move on? So I'm going to eliminate New York and Washington from the mix. And I'm on the verge of eliminating Atlanta, too. I understand what they did last year. And I'm talking the top eight. I do understand what they did last year, getting to the conference finals. They've just had trouble this year. They haven't been the same defensively. It seems there's a little bit of inner turmoil with that team right now. Even some Trey Young quotes uh, just recently, you know, about how when they get down quickly, they sort of lose their mojo a little bit. And that's not a good sign. You know, I think they were a team last year that sort of played through that kind of thing. And they're not able to do that this year. And you've heard some comments from their general manager, Travis Schlank, who sort of bemoaned the lack of defense at at times. So, you know, they're, they're on the verge. I will acknowledge that I love the way Charlotte started. I was not enamored with the way Boston and Toronto started. But it's clear those two teams have figured a little something out, especially Toronto. And so that's a little bit what I'm looking at. I do think Brooklyn squeezes in there. So if I'm going to have to pick one that Charlotte edges out, I would probably lean toward Boston if I have to pick one. 
the fact that it's so difficult to do speaks to uh, how good the East is here in this 2021-2022 season. Jeff Zilliot, staff writer for USA Today, our guest today. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the league as a whole, since he covers the entire NBA, not just the Hornets every day, which is typically our guest here on the Hornets Hivecast. We'll talk to Jeff some more about the entire NBA after this here on the HHC. I could have gotten my hearing aids anywhere, but going to a doctor who could find a set that fit my lifestyle was a good idea. Music sounds as clear now as when I listen to it on cassette tapes. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offers a wide variety of hearing aids. With affordable pricing and credit options, our patients can find hearing care that is right for them. Hear like you once did. Call 704-295-3000 to schedule an appointment. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, they just make sense. Jeff Zilgit, staff writer for USA Today, our guest today here on the Hornets Hivecast. Jeff, we just went through a little bit of an exercise forcing you, putting your feet to the fire, making you pick who's going to end up in the top eight. And it is very difficult because when you're talking about Charlotte getting in, you're removing a team like you said Boston would be the one to miss. Boston has had a a seven-game win streak in recent weeks here and has two All-Stars, one active, one former on their roster. So these are not bad. Bad teams that are being knocked out, and and not to poke at the Western Conference, they've been ruling the roost for better part of two decades now. But you can see the back end of their playing bracket looks very different from the back end of the Eastern Conference one. But that said, the way that the NBA has shifted things to create more opportunity for more teams to make it into the postseason, to create incentive for people not to tank. Year one, it worked really, really well. Year two, I'm not quite as sure if teams are buying in as much because you look at the squads that were just on the outside looking in in the Eastern Conference when the trade deadline came, Washington, Indiana, both of them were sellers at the trade deadline. You look in the Western Conference, to a certain extent you can say that Sacramento tried to make moves to make it in, New Orleans certainly tried to make moves to make it in, but other teams like Portland who were right there, they were sellers. So where do you see the NBA, its GMs, and the franchises looking at the play-in tournament and how it factors in to their short-term and long-term moves? I think for most teams in the league, the playing game is important to get in. And as you mentioned, we saw that last year. I think what you're seeing, though, is you mentioned some of the teams that were sellers. I think these are more individual circumstances. I think if you look at Washington, if Bradley Beal isn't injured, if they were closer to where Charlotte, Boston, Toronto are in the standings, they wouldn't have made some of the moves that they made. I think the same thing for Portland. Look, this is all centered around Damian Lillard and trying to find a better roster that fits his skills. And Portland looked at it, a rebuild on the fly. They have a trade exception that's about worth $20 million that they can get in a player. They also could have upwards of $50, $60 million in salary cap space to make some moves. So I think some of these were individual situations. I think Indiana looked at theirs and said, hey, rebuild mode, looking at the Eastern Conference uh, might be the way to go, but getting Tyrese Halliburton is a starting point for us. And one of my to-be-determines in winners and losers is the Central Division, the Bucks, Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit with Cade Cunningham and Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart. They have a young collection of talent, and I think Indiana's trying to match that uh, a little bit. So I, I don't think it's a collective by the league to some teams in the league to say that the playing isn't important. I think it's individual situations dictating where they want to be 
two, three, four, five years from now. Another trend that I'm seeing, this is not just in the Eastern Conference, but league-wide, I think we're seeing continuity and the investment in draft picks pay off a heck of a lot more than, at least for this season, trying to assemble a super team or, or reel in free agents. You look up and down the Eastern Conference, Miami, the guts of that team are drafted players, guys who've been together multiple years. Cleveland, it's all drafted players for the most part. Uh, Chicago, yes, they've made some big moves in the last year and a half here, um, but for the most part, outside of DeRozan, who's been a real shot in the arm, everyone had been there for over a season now. Milwaukee, a lot of homegrown. Philadelphia, Embiid, homegrown. Raptors, this new revival, homegrown. Boston, uh, Brooklyn is kind of the exception to that. But And then you look in the Western Conference. Phoenix, yeah, they added Chris Paul, but everyone else was basically a draft pick. The Warriors are mostly homegrown. Memphis, same story. Up and down both conferences, you're seeing teams build through the draft, develop their players, and then if they have a chance to add a star, they do it. But kind of shifting this back to Charlotte, it seems like the Hornets are following the right blueprint or the successful blueprint in this current stage of the NBA. Well, I think you're hitting on it. And look, you know, I'm high on what Toronto does. And you mentioned player development. Fred Van Vliet, an undrafted all-star, just one of four in the modern era to not get drafted and make the all-star team. You talk about OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam. And now, look, look at the jump Miles Bridges has taken from last season to this season. Player development is so huge, and that's where teams can get a little bit of an edge. You mentioned Cleveland. We know what Evan Mobley, you give him some player development, and he's going to be even better. I mean, they look at him as one of those unicorn-type players. Like, I'm not saying he's Giannis Antetokounmpo, but if they're hoping that he can step out, hit threes, defend one to five, and finding those guys in the draft on value deals. And then, you know, look, I'm not going to discount the, the opportunity to make trades and build around the edges sometimes, getting to Montrezl Hill, or even a free agency and getting a Gordon Hayward type. Like, I, I, again, I, I think general managers are looking at it, too, as like all three prongs of roster construction need to work, but certainly hitting on your draft picks, which is really difficult to do, is a big part of that. We've got much more to talk about. We're going to look into the future here for the Hornets, both this season as well as into seasons to come with USA Today staff writer Jeff Zilgit after this quick break here on the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta. Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Sam Farber here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. Our guest today from USA Today, Jeff Zilgit, staff writer who covers the National Basketball Association and has been at every finals for how many straight years now, Jeff? I think I would go ahead on 13. 13. Now here's the big question. How many years till we see you in Charlotte for that? Boy, that's a great question, and here's how I look back at what I was just saying a few minutes ago, is the idea that in today's era, teams think they can go for it. And so, look, it's on Mitch Kupchak a little bit. It's on James Brando and his staff, as I mentioned, and player development. But if you look at where the standings are right now, you know, it's clear. Milwaukee's going to be there for a little bit. I don't know about Brooklyn. You know, they, they have some issues. You know, they just had to trade James Harden. We don't know what Kyrie Irving's situation is. We don't know what Kevin Durant's happiness is going to be long-term. Things change quickly in the NBA. 
And that's what I've always said. Championship windows open. They shut quickly. Um, it seems Milwaukee has one that might be a little bit longer. Chicago is up there. I also see what Cleveland is doing in Toronto, as I, you know, uh, if you've heard me, you know, so far I'm a big fan of is, you know, Charlotte's got some teams to climb when it gets to that. And that's why I talk about the player development. I talk about Mitch Kupchak. And I will acknowledge it, it is difficult for some teams in certain markets. And, and I know the league doesn't always like me talking about small markets and big markets, but th- there is some truth to that sometimes. But I do like the fact that Milwaukee was able to do it and not be considered one of the major markets. I do like the idea, and I know it took LeBron James going back, but Cleveland was able to do it, and it looks like they're putting together a team that might be able to compete for a title here. I don't have the crystal ball to say when the finals are going to be in Charlotte. I think they have some teams to climb. They have some roster improvements to make, but I also just look at the way the NBA landscape, you can make those roster improvements and all of a sudden find yourself at the top of a conference with a really good chance. And I know Phoenix is considered a big market, but look, just a few years ago before Monty Williams arrived, it looked like Devin Booker. Do you remember Draymond Green made that, uh, uh, you know, I think he got fined for it on TNT saying you got to get Devin Booker out of Phoenix. That wasn't that long ago. Look at Phoenix today. They're the favorite to win the West. They might be the favorite to win the championship this year. And so things move quickly in the NBA. There's always the possibility that a team gets there. But I also acknowledge that, you know, Charlotte's got some work to do uh, to become the best in the East. Jeff, the last thing I want to ask you about is the the salary cap. And I think, you know, we're, we're in a time now where the Hornets have gone through this rebuilding phase and they haven't had to spend a ton of money on their their own young guys because they were all on rookie contracts, and now we're, we're getting close to a decision point. And some of the narrative we hear from local media here in Charlotte and, and nationally is, you know, they're, they're approaching the salary cap. And the, the cap is, in a certain respect, a fixed thing, and in a certain respect, something that you can manipulate a little bit. You can grow your cap, and it's advantageous to you to do so, so long as you're growing it with talented players who are worthy of those contracts. Take Golden State. State. They are spending more money than anyone else in the NBA, but they're spending it on homegrown talents that have won them rings and that are potentially positioned to win them future rings with guys like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. So it's it's who you're spending your money on that can influence whether or not your cap being big or not is a good thing. But just for the, the fans who are looking at this, because it's been a few years since the Hornets have been in a, a, a cap situation now with all the young guys they've invested in, what should Charlotte fans be looking at when the narrative comes out there that you know the Hornets are approaching the cap and might not have as much flexibility to sign people? Because, quite frankly, you look up and down the NBA, I think outside of Oklahoma City, everyone is over the cap or near the cap. So here's my theory on this when it comes to you know not only Charlotte but similar teams. And look, let's just be honest. If you're the Lakers, if you're Golden State, if you're the Knicks, your willingness – because of your financials to go over the cap and pay luxury taxes is certainly easier and not singling out. It's not just Charlotte. It is Cleveland. It is Milwaukee. It is New Orleans. Um, it is Orlando. You have to make those decisions based on how realistic you think a championship is. And, and that's going to come down to Michael Jordan, without a doubt. And But I think that if Michael's looking around the league, and I, I know teams aren't enamored with the luxury tax, but if you have a chance to win a championship, you do, see, you do see teams do it. Milwaukee is going to do it because they realize a championship is at stake, and, and they're willing to do that. And, and, but if you're not quite there yet, I do understand why teams make the decision not to 
you know, won't go over the salary cap and limit some of your roster and flexibility, but then even hit the luxury tax where you're paying. You don't want to be the seventh-place team paying the luxury tax. That's just not good business, and I, I'm not uh, defending owners who don't want to pay. All I'm saying is that it doesn't make sense to do that. I realize that. And so if you have a team, though, that can win a championship, I think that's where you know fans want your owner to do it. And I do believe that most owners are willing to do that. Um, I, I, look, I, I know it's not the case 100% of the time, but if you feel you have a championship squad, uh, I, I do think that an owner, especially Michael, who, you know, despite not playing, don't tell me he's not competitive anymore. Okay, we, we know that's the case. And so the idea is for him, when he sees the window to win a championship, I, I do think Charlotte's the franchise or a franchise uh, who will be willing to spend the money when the time comes. We might not always agree on when, when the right time is. I do understand that. And that's why Mitch, Michael, James, they'll have those conversations to figure out where they are. But certainly to pay the luxury tax to win a championship is worth it to a lot of teams, a lot of owners, and then ultimately the fan base. For the Hornets, this young squad, that window is just opening now with LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges uh, becoming those all-star type of players on this roster. Uh, that window is starting to open. So it'll be interesting to see in the coming years. I've already got you on the record that the Hornets are going to the playoffs here in 2022. And uh, it's a, a little undefined, but we hope to have you here in Charlotte covering your finals. Uh, let's say before you get to, I don't know, 16, 70 or 13 straight years. What, what wins the uh, the window, do you say? Hey, look, if I'm at 13 years, look, I'm looking down the road, let's look at the next five years and see where they are. Uh, you know, right when we get to what, we're 22 season, right where we are around 26, 27. There you have it. Jeff Zilgit says the Hornets will win a title. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but appreciate you coming on. Appreciate your perspective on the Hornets, on the league, and uh, look very much forward to that day, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, where you're covering a finals here in the Queen City. Jeff Zilgit, staff writer, USA Today. Thanks for being with us here on the Hornets Hivecast. And our thanks to all of you as well for tuning in. Tomorrow, it is another game day edition of the Hornets Hivecast. We'll be getting you ready for the second-to-last game prior to the All-Star break. Hornets taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Till then, for our producer Rob Longo and everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us, and we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.